Welcome to Twin Towns Trail Talk, the podcast about the trails in the beautiful upper Midwest and the crazy free spirits that love to enjoy them. And speaking of crazy free spirits, we have one today. It's Andy Lawn. He's an accomplished ultramarathoner. Not only does Andy make great YouTube videos that are super funny and go into great detail about all his runs, he um he also has good detail in his storytelling here. Um, here's a sample of uh, what Andy sounds like when he's describing running a sandlight sandlot marathon, which is like what did he say it was 346 laps around a baseball field to get a marathon. Came up and five of us showed up and we actually did that. We ran around uh, the bases 384 times, 384 and a half times, and then. Uh, well, actually, there was a whole bunch. It turned into a big event, right? There was a whole bunch of people who'd come out. They'd run a few loops. Some did a 5K, some did a half. Um, anyway, it was just it was just dumb, and it was fun, and it was fun to be outside. And it was like, the first time we did it, it was just, you know, it was a spring day. Sun was out. There was we were in short sleeve t-shirts, um, you know, and snow on the field, and so it was just, it was just fun, you know, late March. Uh, Bobby D there yes that's uh chilling with Bob Dylan or as like the Counting Crows said uh everybody wants to be Bob Dylan but sometimes Mr. Jones wants to be someone just a little more funky um I don't know a little fun fact there uh meet me in the morning at 56 in Wabasha uh those two uh roads actually do not intersect in real life so that'd be kind of a cruel trick to play on somebody saying, uh, yeah, let's uh, meet up for a jog tomorrow on uh, 494 and Lake Street, or you just pick two roads that never intersect or something. But I want to get right into today's show. I have, uh, like I said on the intro, I have Andy Lawn. Um, him and his wife, Erica, are both accomplished uh, trail runners, and they're raising three kids as they do that. So we're going to hear a little bit about that today. I don't, I'm raising one kid, and I uh, don't have the time to go running out as much as I want. Um, but the kids are worth it, that's for sure. And so I want to get right into this story. We're going to talk about all the run, bad water. Um, we talk, Andy talks about running superior. He talks about a two-day treadmill run. He talks about making silly videos about these events. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Here's Andy. Um, so, Andy, so when we first started talking about this preliminary, uh, you said something I found really interesting. You said, some people know me as the video guy or as Erica's husband along those lines. So, so tell me, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I've got, I've got a few, uh, I do recap videos of, well, not every ultra, but uh, I try to do most ultras that I do, um, video recaps that have comedic, uh, movie lines and scenes in them. 
um, to kind of recap the feeling of how I was how I was feeling. And it's not always community. You know, it's sometimes sometimes there's dramas um, involved. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's uh, people like I've had a few people come up when like most recently I was registering for or I was checking in at a packet pack pickup and someone's like, oh hey Andy, I I, I love your videos. So um, wow, that's great. They're, wow, that's been kind of, kind of interesting. And then, of course, as Erica's husband, um, that's my wife's uh, runner as well. And she's a little more social than me, does a lot more of the Saturday group runs at Elm Creek. And uh, so all my friends who are also running on Saturdays know me, you know, know me as Erica's husband now. So. <laughs> and um... Well, in, in fact, we just finished Superior together and the announcer announced... Uh, with her third superior finish, Erica Lon, and with her his fourth superior one hundred finish, Erica's husband. <laughs> so, so everybody was laughing at that one. There was wow. actually a picture of me with it. It was super funny. So it's all in good humor. So. <laughs> uh, so you guys are able to like? Are you guys similar paces? You can run together in races, or um, we go back and forth sometimes. Sometimes I'll go faster. Sometimes she'll go faster. I think I can beat her in a marathon. But anything past that, it's kind of like coin flip sometimes. Wow. So yeah, so. yeah it's, she's a lot more smarter, a lot more consistent. Sometimes I go fast, and sometimes I go fast, and then fall apart and <laughs> crawl. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. I have a lot of pacing issues myself, so I, I just kind of run by feel, and, and sometimes uh, I feel stronger than I actually am. So. <laughs> I think we would learn, but. Uh, hasn't haven't figured that out yet you know there's always that chip on the shoulder and then there's also that that uh feeling you know if you don't like with cards with uh 500 i know my mom told me one time if you're not getting set every once every four hands you're not bidding aggressively enough so i always kind of take care of that to running if you don't bonk every once every once in a while you're not uh, you're not pushing it to the limit as much as you could <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah you gotta know where that limit is that's it's good to try to find it sometimes and so now I was looking at your, so you got a crazy pedigree here. So, um, so you've been racing bad water, bad water. Yeah. I said that right. Superior Zumbro, uh, you know, 48 hour treadmill. I don't know where we should start now. I think the last race you did was superior. Is that correct? That was what? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, beginning, beginning of September. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this was going to be a big, big change in the race. I was going to step it up and go fast. And I got to mile 21 or so. And I was like, Holy cow, it was getting hot. And then, uh, <laughs> he got to me and then I started cramping up a mile 25 and then I started just hiking and, uh, Erica was caught up to me. So then, uh, we did the rest. We did the last, she caught up to me about mile 42 ish, somewhere in that range. And then we, uh, finished it together. So we did the last 61 miles together. Wow. So yeah, so it was great because I was gonna go. I was only gonna have a pacer from mile eighty-five to the finish, and uh, I just I one of my friends Luke um, was crewing for me, and so he was gonna run just from eighty-five to the finish with me. But uh, with Erica there, we I got all her pacers and crew as well. So uh, <laughs> it was really fun, really fun. Like it was disappointing the fact that I had trained to go a lot faster, and I had planned on going a lot faster, but once that hit, I was like, oh wow, this is it was fun, and then it was yeah, really fun. Well, that's the thing about a hundred miles. I mean, anything can happen in a hundred miles. I mean, is it? I mean, do you find like, like I know you had a time you were shooting for, but does it ever go to to script over a hundred mile race? Like ever? Like, yeah, I, 
yeah, I mean, there's a, like, that's one of my weaknesses is, is that as soon as, as soon as something goes wrong, I'm like, wow, it's off the plan. Now it's survival mode. And now, you know, just survive. Um, I think, I don't know if that's a weakness, but that's kind of what I feel like, uh, I working on adjusting. Right. So, um, but yeah, this was, this was the heat, you know, the previous one, there's been, there's been, you know, forgot caffeine one time and I was falling asleep, um, <laughs> or didn't take enough caffeine. It's not like, you know, there's just yeah, something, something always seems to pop up and I gotta get a little better at adjusting to it. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of the heat, so you do bad water now, is there, is there any races that could have different terrain farther apart from bad, bad water to superior? I mean. Oh, I learned that one the hard way in 2018. Um, yeah, Badwater is 135 miles across from Death Valley, from the lowest point of Badwater Basin, across Death Valley up to the, it's the portal to Mount Whitney, right? It's not the full, it's 135 miles. The full to the top of Mount Whitney is 146 miles. Um, because of permits and stuff, they stop it now, the race at uh, 135, with, you know, the, once the hiking trail once the roads end and the hiking trail starts um so that it's up three mountains and down two of them and then across all on all on paved roads um and so so yeah it gets uh it gets pretty hot out there so yeah how does like a minnesota boy like you like did you have the full uh beekeeper looking outfit thing on the heat shield i went i went with a tank top and uh sleeves and then a big you know desert hat um, and then we've got, so it's not like it's just straight up running across open. We've got, uh, I got a, a van, um, with four crew people, um, you know, they drive along and they, they, um, leapfrog every, every two miles, I think is, is what's suggested. If I'm having troubles, it was a little closer to mile every mile, but, um, for some sections, but, um, they go along and so then they spray you down with cold water. They give you, you know, they spray water on you. Lot of lot of different methods for that ice bandanas around my neck ice bandanas on my back um stuff like that um and then also pacers and then the, um from mile 42 on you can have pacers and so the pacers also carry usually they you know i had them carry i had them carry a, a cold just plain water bottle and then they'd spray me up every once in a while when it would get hot no is it i don't know if it's still like this but i read that one time like one of the water stops used to be like just a garden hose that was out somewhere and then, like, one of the racers complained. He goes, well, do you have to wait in line to use it? And then the race director's like, well, just make sure you get there first so you don't have to wait in line. Do, do you remember having one of the water stops be like that? They've got no water stops. They've got checkpoints where there's nothing, but everything's all in your van. So you bring your own stuff. Okay. Nowadays, I don't know what back in the old days I had. I haven't, don't know if that was always the case, but, yeah, it was. it's all in the van. And so we've got, we've got, you know, a van, I think we had 35 gallons of water from, I think that's the, the magic number. Um, and then a whole bunch of ice. Wow. Okay. Big coolers. And yeah, we've got, we've got, well, we've, we've had many debates on coolers and, um, you know, the best ways to dry ice and all, all the, all the good stuff <laughs> on how to keep things cold in the, in the desert. <laughs> And did you do it? I I don't know where I read this too, but they, like one of the race teams, like they had the van, and they would take electric tape and tape off their taillights to make it look like smaller, so it made it look like they're farther away. So they could, 
I could see that. I know I haven't heard that, but yeah, wow, I can definitely see that. One of the one of the crazy stories is that I've heard was uh, a guy was pacing um, Grant Mon is his name, um, who's just who's very competitive and very good ultra runner. And uh, they were going along, and all of a sudden, uh, a van was stopped. The leader was stopped. The leader's van was stopped, and Grant came running along. And this could just be a story, but it's a great story, whatever, regardless. And uh, all of a sudden, he looked over and he saw the guy in the front seat. He saw his watch face light up, and the you know the light come off his because it was night. And all of a sudden, saw the, the the light reflect off his come come from his watch and onto his face. And Grant Grant looks back at his face, and he's like, "They're timing us." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he sped up by a super amount. Just crazy little things like that happen where you know people are. Especially in the lead, right? I, which well, I'm never in the lead, but you know, um, I crewed out there three times for uh, Harvey Lewis, who was uh, who just won it this year, actually. And won, um, when I was there, he got second and third, and then like 50th or something like that, somewhere in that range. Um, so he's always competitive. Um, so we were pretty competitive while I was crewing, so that was really fun to fun to see. Now, obviously, it was quite a bit different when I was just out there trying to finish, right? So, huh. but yeah, we we weren't competitive like that. We were offering. You know, we were offering everybody else water and ice. Well, yeah, I I think just finishing that's amazing. I mean, I think it's just competitive just to finish that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even the leaders. We actually, when we we got second place, I believe the year we got second place, we gave the third place guy a bag, a half bag of ice because he was out. Um, So, yeah, it is. It is. It's a cool thing because, you know, you're battling out on the roads and then next thing you know, you're hugging each other in the bar afterwards. (laughs) So now I see on your resume, what's this about a 48 hour, I hope, I got to hear about this, a 48 hour treadmill run? Yeah, so there's this, it's called the Dreadmill 48, um, where every year, anytime in December, you can uh, spend 48 hours on, on the treadmill. Um, or you could, there's two, two races, one's a 48 hours and one's a um, 100 miles. Um, so I went for the well, so the story is, is that I've been following this for three years or so is when I first heard of it. And I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was something on the list. And then with the pandemic, all the races were canceled, all the winter stuff. So I was like, I saw November 15th or something like that. I go to my, I look over at, I was looking at Facebook. I'm, so, uh, yeah, we got, uh, my wife was all gung-ho about it. And so I set up my GoPro to take pictures of the mileage because the race director, um, the race director put all the mileage, you know, you'd send a, the, 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 your highest mileage to the race director every time you'd stop and reset the treadmill. Um, so I set up the GoPro to do that because we had this old treadmill and it would die every once in a while. So every 30 seconds I took a picture and actually it didn't die from either me or my wife um, the whole time. And um, so we chose the weekends. I did the first, I did the weekend of the, remember what the date was but it was pretty early in december um my wife did the weekend after me and she knew my number the race director doesn't share any any results only if you put it on facebook or something that you say you know your total numbers um so i did 134 because i didn't want it to be my my longest distance i'd ever run because i didn't think it was i didn't think it was up to the level of bad water right the whole week of experience to get out there and do all that i was like i can't i can't override bad water with a two you know two days on my treadmill at home so I stopped at 134. Um, and then the next weekend, my wife went and she did 136. So, <laughs> wow. So she's got the course record 
um, a guy beat her. He got like 151, I think, this year. And so I was second male, third overall. Um, but yeah, that was it. That was interesting because, I mean, it was really cool because everything was right there. You know, I didn't have to like run to get anything. I just I got in a rhythm and I got going and probably do for probably 30 miles. I had this, this thing where I'd walk a 10th of a mile and then I'd run, you know, I'd run the, you know, 0.9% of the mile left. And then as soon as I get to that, whatever number I was on, I would, just, you know, grab some food, grab whatever, and then walk for a 10th of a mile. I just repeated that. It got in this groove and I was just going. So, so now are you like watching, do you have a big screen playing Netflix as you're doing this or what? Uh, yep. That's exactly what I did. I watched the entire, uh, Oh, what's the star Wars, uh, series, the, the Mandalorian. I watched the entire <laughs> series of that. I hadn't, hadn't done that. I watched an entire Vikings game, which I used to be, be a big football fan. Um, kind of just haven't had the time to watch any football. So I watched the entire game. The only time I've watched a game, a full game in a long time, uh, I watched an old couple movies and then watched a couple movies that I just had on my list that I hadn't seen before. So that's it was fun. That's been a dream of mine. I've seen where people like you can hook your uh, tread. No, why can't I say that? No treadmill up to a generator. So the only way, and then you hook it up to your TV. So the only way you can watch TV is if you're on the treadmill. You're so, moving. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. So I kind of like that idea. Now, how did your because the first marathon I ever ran, I ran it in Phoenix, and it was in February, and I trained on a treadmill, and I got like three months into the training, and then I was reading, uh, this was kind of pre-internet a little bit, I was reading Runner's World, and they said, yeah, I never trained for a marathon on a treadmill because it treats your, because it's softer on your legs. How did your legs feel after that? Oh, my legs were all right. I, I... See, I'm kind of a, I think the treadmill is a good tool, right? I use it a lot for, I use it on, for uphills and stuff like that. Um, and I hike on it a lot and I'll watch TV like that'll be the time where everybody goes to bed and I'll stay up and I'll just start hiking on a treadmill, watching whatever TV. And sometimes I get, sometimes I get a little wrapped up in the TV and forget that I'm exercising or whatever. And, um, so I think the treadmill is a good tool. So I tend to do that more often. Um, so I, my legs were pretty used to it. Um, they, my feet hurt big time. So I did a hundred, I actually did 101 miles in the first, I don't know, that's when I slept. Um, so I, I did, I think it was 22 hours and, uh, I did 101 miles, went to bed, slept for four hours, got up with my kids, got them off to school. And then I started, then I started hiking. I did a mile of running, um, just cause I've got a streak. And so I did that. And then I think I pretty much hiked the rest of the day. Um, and my feet hurt, but that's pretty typical. So I just had some big cushy shoes on and hiked the rest of the day pretty much. Wow. That's, that's a great accomplishment. So, so you, you mentioned a streak there. What's this about? A, so you got a 6.75 years of running every day, a streak run. Yeah. I got a friend of mine challenged Harvey, the guy who I paced out of Badwater challenged us to run every day in January, in fact, in 2015. And so I just happened to, me and Erica would switch off when we were on vacation, because we were on vacation over the New Year's. And that happened to be that we drove home, or we flew home that day, the first, and I ran that day. And then I was just normal training. Also, I looked at the calendar, and I was like, well, I just if I just run a couple miles on Sunday, I could do this for two weeks. And then I was like, well, if I do it every, every week, I get two miles in on a Saturday. Because normally Erica runs long on Saturday, and I take an easy day just because of our kids 
So I tried to scam how to get through January. And then that was six and a half years ago, or six and whatever years ago. And so now I've just kept that streak up. So, so you know, it's, and it's one mile every day, and it's uh, a minimum of a mile. Um, I try to... I try to do two, but you know, after big races, sometimes I one one is plenty. Um, and then there's always a little motivation, you know, like in the middle of the, at the end of a race or something. Uh, I got to get that streak going. Got to keep that streak. So at mile, yeah, it was mile 80 this year at Superior. I went ahead of because Eric and I were together, so I went ahead. We got on a flat section. I just started. I started running. And I got you know the adrenaline started flowing and the blood started pumping. So I felt a felt a lot better actually after doing that. Um, but there's been a couple good stories with that. I, uh, we were driving out to Colorado one year and we were getting up towards, uh, we were, had to go over one pass, um, to get up to Breckenridge because that's where Erica's parents have a uh, timeshare out there. And so we were going along and all of a sudden, uh, you know, traffic backed up because there was a storm and the, they were going to shut the pass. And so we we're sitting in traffic and literally it was, you know, stop and go for two hours and we didn't know how long this was going to be. So I jumped out and ran up, uh, I 70. I ran up about a quarter mile, turned around, ran back. She had moved. She switched switched over to the driver's seat, and then uh, I ran up another quarter mile, turned back around, and I did that until I hit a mile, and then hopped in and was a got my streak in, got my mile in that day. Oh, wow. so, so have you ever? I think I'm the only guy, only guy to ever get a streak on on I seventy. So. Wow. So have you ever had like found yourself like have to run like in jeans or something just to get your mile in like? Yeah, that definitely. There's, and it's usually after races. Those are the, those are the tricky times. Like, uh, um, you know, usually, usually if we're going on vacation or if we're doing something where we're doing something all day, I'll just get up early. Um, but those late night, there's been a couple late night ones where, you know, the only thing to do is just wait till, wait till we stop. And then, um, yeah, a pair of jeans and a pair of tennis shoes. That's fine for one mile. <laughs> So now we, we kind of gloss so, so you have three kids, and uh, you and your wife, Erica, you both run. Like, how does that work? How do you make that work? Like, it, so big thing is, is to get a long run in, right? And so, A, we don't get a lot of sleep. Um, and then, two, we, <laughs> uh, she goes Saturdays, she does long runs, and then Sundays I do long runs. And so we get up, you know, usually we get up, where you, one of us on the weekend is usually running by five. And so, you know, if we're back, if we go three hours, we're back by eight, no problem. Um, and so that's, that's the way we do it. And so then I get time with the kids on Saturday, get to make them, you know, pancakes or whatever. And she gets it on Sunday. So. Wow. Excellent. That's an excellent system. I like that. And so I also get Thursday morning. She likes the mornings. I like the, I like to go at lunch because well back would be pre pandemic when we were actually in the office. Um, I've got some friends that I run with and so I'd always go at lunch and, uh, so she likes to get up early. She's a teacher, so she doesn't get much of a lunch break. So that usually works for us. So Thursday, she usually takes an easy day and either gets up early. Now, now our kids are getting old enough where they can be alone, but for a while, it was, it was a little challenging. Well, excellent. So what yeah. is, explain this to me, Sandlot Marathon Race Director? What's that all about? Yeah, so we've got the Sandlot Marathon which was just a horrible idea. Actually, I think the history of it was, I wasn't there, but the history of it was some of my friends came up with the idea of running the bases for a full marathon, um, you know, on a baseball field. So 
380, if you do the math, it's 384.5 something or other um, loops around the bases to get to a marathon. And so we decided, so they came up with the idea that we're going to have this. And so um, this event, and they put it on the calendar, you know, like it was in October or something like that. And they said it's for St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day weekend of the next year. And everybody kind of forgot about it. But then they mm -hmm. got together and I was with them and we started making, they started making this list of, you know, top 10 reasons to do it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden this event came up and five of us showed up and we actually did it. We ran around uh, the bases 384 times, 384 and a half times. And then, uh, well, actually, there was a whole bunch. Of people. It turned into a big event, right? There was a whole be bunch of people who'd come out. They'd run a few loops. Some did a 5K, some did a half. Um, anyway, it was just it was just dumb, and it was fun, and it was fun to be outside. And it was like, the first time we did it, it was, just, you know, it was a spring day. Sun was out. There was, we were in short sleeve T-shirts, um, you know, and snow on the field. And so it was just, it was just fun, you know, late March. Um, so then we decided we needed to share this with the rest of the people. So actually seven of us got together and we planned out this race and we had it, we had it up in Elk River on a, uh, baseball, you know, it's a place where it had four baseball fields. And, uh, again, they had to, they had to snow blow the snow blow the path around the bases <laughs> out. And, uh, and then we had, we had, I think we had 18 people per field. We ended up, um, was in the 50s i know the number of people who completed um and then we we're gonna have a second one and due to covid it got canceled and then so we haven't we haven't rescheduled but yeah it's just a fun day to be outside and run around the bases do something do something fun and it's probably one of the better things that we've done for the community of running right because it was just one like it was a big everybody was like there were so many people there and it was just really really good time we had uh wristbands with uh with chips on them so they'd come by and they'd scan their wrist every time oh wow um, and so that we so we had a tracking system on how so we didn't have to manually count that oh and then the seven of us actually i think five of us got together and then we did a secret uh race director's version so we've kept up the streak so we did a late night we went to a baseball field and we ran around the bases at, in the evening one night um to keep that streak going to get it get a yearly sandlot marathon in well, that's so. Now, are you running the same direction the whole time? Or? Run from home plate to third base, right? You got to run from first, second to third. So. <laughs> Isn't one of your legs longer by the time you finish? <laughs> yeah, there's been some issues, right? There, the hips get a little tight. Um, so yeah, there's. But the beauty part is, is there's an aid station every every loop, and there's a pitcher uh, <laughs> mound is always on to your left. Elevation change isn't much. I mean, if you step on the base, you go up a little bit. <laughs> wow. I'm so, yeah, I haven't seen people, I haven't seen that many people circle bases since the last time the Twins were pitching. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These videos, they're, they're hilarious, by the way. <laughs> I watched some of your YouTube. Where can Thanks. people find your, your YouTube videos there? Videos came about. Is it. I don't know. I found I found a guy in Utah. He was a triathlete. Um, I can't even remember his name. I meant to look it up before this, but he did something similar, right? Where he was uh, he was a competitive he was a professional triathlete, um, and he did he took like one movie and like put scenes in it, and it was like a Batman movie. It was really funny. And like I was late, I was at work and I was trying to hustle home for dinner, and all of a sudden it was an hour and a half later, and I watched all these guys this guy's videos, and this was quite a few years back. Um, 
anyways and so i liked that idea and so then i started you know i i can't even remember the first one i did i think it was a marathon um and it kind of worked out and but the, it, it wasn't it wasn't quality like like it is now right so so it's just kind of evolved and it's kind of just the way my mind works um back in college we me and a friend attempted to talk in movie quotes the entire day um <laughs> so we know a lot of movies right and we we study we study the movies right and the quotes in the movies and uh so that's kind of how we that's how it, that that played to my strength and so you know when you're in a, when you're in an ultra and you're running and you're hurting you know something to get you out of the out of the the pain cave is to is to think of something funny and so i always try to come up with some idea of what what movie is this like you know or what what situation is happening here you know i usually come up with an old you know and there are a lot of the you know early 90s types of comedy films that i know because that's where i spent a lot of my time watching um so yeah i've gotten carried away with a lot of them you know i go back and watch a lot of them from the earlier days of making recaps and a lot of them don't make sense to me anymore, <laughs> uh, but they did at the time, you know, at least to me, um, a lot of the jokes are inside jokes that people, that people like, you know, I'll put in, I'll throw in a picture of, uh, I don't know. I, I got a platypus in my head because that was a safe word one time. An inside joke between Luke and I, Luke's, Luke's a friend who crews for me a lot. And uh, I crew for him a lot, or as often as I can. Um, I owe them a lot. It's what I'm trying to say. Um, so, you know, I'll throw in a few things that is just an inside joke between he and I. Um, yeah. Or anybody who's there. But yeah, a lot of them don't make sense. You know, I tried to do, I tried to do, uh, like I did a Dave Letterman one where I was pretending that I was being interviewed by Dave Letterman. That was pretty early. Um, and it was, the fun thing is, is that me and my kids go back and watch them. And then I remember parts of the races that way. And so, so it's kind of, you know, people say, well, how much, how long does that take you? And, you know, I go back and I look through all these pictures of the race and I get it, I get to relive all that stuff. And then I get to pick the good ones and I put them in the video and then I watch the video and I see these pictures flash up and I, I remember, oh yeah, that race, that we, you know, this happened and whatever else happened. So it's a good thing for me, right? It's kind of selfish. No, I think they're great. I mean, um, kind of describing to people here, they're really like, when I started watching them, I couldn't believe how much edit, how much editing you do because you do all these really quick edits in them, and they're sh they're short, so they're easy to watch. What are they like three minutes long? Most of them. That's what I try, I try for. Three. Yeah, so they're real easy to watch, and uh, you have a lot of cultural references. Like I saw the the one I was watching had a lot of planes, trains, and automobiles, which is one of my and then like the red hot chili pepper. So it's right right down my ballpark there. It was pretty good. Yeah. The Red Hot Chili Pepper guy, that guy makes, he's, he's been a late addition to make every video because, you know, it's the, that would be a waste of time, um, which is from Point Break. And so anytime I'm talking about racing, that's like the perfect quote for that, right? And plus, I love that. I love that scene in the movie because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because all of a the guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers goes out. I was just like, oh, that's perfect. That's got to be in every single one. Um, <laughs> Well, I got a request. Like in your next movie, you got to use. Uh, well, I know you said you use it mostly '90s, but you got to use Rocky Three when they're running in slow motion. Rocky and Apollo are running in slow motion on the beach, and then they they splash around and celebrate like grown men do in the water. And like, I just sent that gift yesterday. Honest Did you? To God. I I love. Yeah, exactly. No way. Oh, it's meant to be. Then it's meant to be. So I sent we're... that to the race the race directors of the sailor. We've got a group chat going in now. Definitely one. 
Um, I've used a few Rocky clips, but not that one. I've never used that one. I've thought about it, I've, but yeah. And then the one on the on the list. And then another Sylvester Stallone is when he runs in slow motion and cliffhanger. Is that what that's called? And you can see all his Botox just bouncing as he's running <laughs> in slow motion. <laughs> so where can where can people see what's what's the name of your uh, YouTube channel there? Uh, it is A L O H N eight four Alon eighty four at third. That's it. Alon eighty four. YouTube YouTube.com slash Alon eighty four. Okay, so um, I'll I'll put a link on Facebook too. Okay, I'll put a link to that on the show notes. And so, uh, Andy, so just so, so as we're getting towards the end here, I just we were supposed to record this like we were going to record this a week ago, and then now I see you got this tooth that I don't even know how you do it. You can get it in and out of your mouth just using your tongue. The flipper tooth, they call it, and it's a temporary deal. Um, yeah. So, so the story behind that is is that I I. Well, I, 20 years ago, I lost my tooth. I hit it with a crowbar, actually. I was working construction, and um, crowbar slipped off and hit me in the face. Um, broke my tooth. Long time, I had this this fake tooth in there, and it was all good. And then uh, <laughs> we were doing – we so due to COVID this year um, – or last year, Arrowhead, the Arrowhead 135, which is a winter race from International Falls to Tower, Minnesota – um, that got canceled and I had gone up and volunteered for it in 2019. Yeah. In 2019, I volunteered for it. No, actually it was just started 2020. Um, and I had a bunch of friends who did it. And so and that's look, I was looking to put that, I was looking to do it someday. Right. And so, um, when it got canceled in 2021, actually beginning of 2021, um, those group of friends who were signed up for it, um, said hey we're gonna do the half half of it and we'll just do it on the race day and so they they asked me to come with because they knew that it was on my list of things to do and i plus i enjoy hanging out with those guys plus winter racing is great is is a new thing for me um and so we did it and it took it was, so it was 63 miles or something like that and uh we were going along and about 10 miles from the finish you know after 20 some odd hours being outside in the cold where it got down it got down to like six below that eight below something like that that night and uh, Gretchen comes up to me, a friend, comes up, and she made um, Rice Krispie bars for us. And she had been talking about these, and so I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds perfect right That's now. Nice, so I reached yeah. over and grabbed the Rice Krispie bar, and I totally forgot about my tooth. And it was frozen rock solid because it had been outside. And I bit into it, and I was like, kind of felt this weird sensation. Anyways, about two weeks later or something like that, all of a sudden, I, my, my fake tooth was loose. And so that was what it, I think that was what it was from. And it was just kind of the beginning of the end of that fake tooth. And so now I'm going through the process of getting a new, new fake tooth, but they can't do the same quick fix that they did before. And so, so now I've got this flipper. And so that's, that's why I kind of have some funny pronunciations every once in a while. I'm not quite used to it yet. So that was the reschedule issue. And I didn't realize how bad it was. You know, they said, well, you got to remove your tooth. And I was like, oh, I can do that. No problem. Because for about two months, I walked around with a tooth where I could just pull it out and then put the back in anyways so it's those, it's those frozen rice crispy bars get you every time i swear time you know <laughs> it's really good rice crispy bar i can't complain about the rice crispy bar oh, man, yeah. Did it hit spot, yeah. yeah you could never complain that would hit the spot totally oh so andy thanks for being with me today um we're gonna i want i'm gonna put the link to your videos on my on the show notes here so everybody can find them um 
and we'll get those because those are just those are awesome they're pretty funny and it's like what's your next big what do you got for your next phase big race planned um well twin cities is this weekend are you doing this that yeah yep um that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting one because i haven't trained on roads fast for a long time so i used to pace marathons for like three or four years i paced about about 325 sometimes i do 335 i did 315 once um i don't think i can hit in any of those numbers anymore i'm gonna try for 325 ish somewhere in that range okay um, that's an awesome time yeah yeah it's see, i don't know probably power probably power fade at the end there quite a bit <laughs> Thank you, Andy Lawn. I hope you all enjoyed listening to Andy talk as, as much as I did talking to him. And uh, I think it was really neat at the end there how he just casually says he's thinking of running the Twin Cities Marathon in under three and a half hours. Um, he's such a confident runner. And um, I want to hear from you out there. Anybody, we just had the Twin Cities Marathon. I kind of, we recorded this a couple days before. I know it has passed now. So I want to hear, I would like to get two or three listeners, um, little vignettes who of people who ran the Twin Cities Marathon. So if you ran it yourself or if you have a friend that did, uh, email me at mmunzen at gmail.com. And um, I would like to get two or three of you and just talk to you about the Twin Cities Marathon. And, um, you know, running the Twin Cities Marathon, you have to be brave. Um, what I like to do is I read a lot of Stoic. Um, it's... Uh, ancient Roman philosophy. I, I, I used to think it was Spartan because it sounds very Spartan. The thing I like about the, the uh, Stoic philosophy is it's really simple. When you hear it, you're like, why didn't I just think of that? It's uh, not complicated language. It's real easy, and it's just really easy to apply. So I have some, um, some Stoic keys to being brave today for all our marathon runners out there. Okay, so here we go. Don't suffer imagined troubles. See difficulty as a chance to improve. Focus on the smallest step you can take. Make it a habit to do the hard thing. Remember what you've already endured. Stop caring what others think. I've also heard this one explained as, um, it's none of your business what other people's opinion is of you, so how, how dare you? Um, whenever I think about how, what other people think of me, I'm, I'm always wrong. So I, now I don't even do it anymore. And finally, the last one is it's okay to ask for help. So that's the, uh, seven keys to stoicism for being brave. And, um, I hope everybody out there is having a great October. Remember to get those stories into me for running the Twin Cities Marathon. I would love to hear from you. Thank you and talk to you next month. Thank <laughs> you.